This is the Bittersweet and Twisted Records podcast with Vince and Bobby. I'm Vince. I'm Bobby. And we are back with episode five. Back. And we have another um, Treasures in the Bargain Bin episode. Yes. Um, so this week, our treasure... Well, before I get into that, uh, just a refresher, the bargain bin, cheap bins, dollar bins, beater bins, whatever you want to call them. Um, it's the less than perfect records that are in the bins, usually on the floor. Yeah, usually we got to go down under. Go down under. And the ones we usually pick are from the $1 to $3 range. Yes. Um, so that's where the ones... The, well, both records we're going to talk about today are both were dollar records. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the most pristine shape. Bobby's was in better shape than mine. But for this episode, our treasures from the bargain bin are... I'm going to do The Dams, The Black Album from 1980. And I'm doing The Best of Blondie from 81. All right. Um, before we get into the treasures, um, make sure you like, subscribe, follow, share, all that fun stuff. Hit that button. Hit that button. Um, or they say another package. Smash that button. Smash. Um, do whatever you want to do to the button. Love, caress it, hit it, whatever. Um, just make sure you do it um, on whatever pra- platform you're listening to us on. And as always, we're going to have a corresponding Spotify playlist to go along with the artists we talk about today. And you can find all of our links for the pod- uh, for, mm-hmm. for the, for the podcast, for the, for the podcast merch. <laughs> and the merch. And the playlist and all that fun stuff. As at, well as our eBay store. As our eBay store. You can find all that fun stuff at bittersweetandtwistedrecords.com. And with that, we're going to turn this over to Bobby to start off this week. Yes. And we're flipping it up. Yep. Usually my ego makes me start, but. <laughs> uh, all right. So I am doing the best of Blondie album. Um, so I just want to start with a little bit of history to get to where we even get to the best of band, because I think that's important, because you can't have a best of album if you don't talk about the previous albums to where the best of would have came from. Well, you know what? Some bands just call their first album best of. Because <laughs> that's like going to be their only album. That's like Well, good. some bands, the, best al- the first album is the yeah, best that's album. True. So the band Blondie... Um, is made up of founding members Deborah Harry and Chris Stein um, and various other bandmates through whom I'll talk about in a bit. But first... Um, oh, I can't believe you called Clem Burke a various member. Well, yeah. He, he was. I'll get to him. All right, all right. Everyone loves Clem Burke. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a lot of people think, you know, when they think Blondie, I think over the years it's gotten distorted to where they think Deborah Harry is Blondie, but that's not the case. It's the band is Blondie. But the how that started was Chris Stein, who was um, joined a band called the Stilettos as the guitarist. And that's where he met backup singer and waitress and former Playboy Bunny, mm-hmm. Deborah Harry. And they... Um, left the band to um form um well the original name was i don't know yeah angel and the snake 
That's terrible. It's awful. But they only... It's <laughs> a terrible Angel, name. Angel Oh, name. goodness. So they actually only played under this name for two shows. Oh, thankfully. Yeah. Um, but in 1974, they changed the name of the well, band to Blondie. Oh, that might be worse than when um, Rick Orkasic and um, Benjamin Orr from The Cars. Yeah. Originally, they were in a band called Milkwood. Milkwood. Yeah. Oh. That's a pretty terrible name. Yeah, that that's Cars is a much better name. It's more catchier. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, just, I, didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was, I was just think about shitty names and yeah. Milkwood popped in my head. Well, I mean, this was a shitty name. It was Angel and the Snake. I mean, but yeah, so they. I'm assuming she was the angel. Ah, uh, you know, I'm guessing because we could be completely wrong. Could and be completely slightly wrong. being slightly sexist. He could he could have been the angel. He could have been in the angel, and she could have been the snake. Could have been. Mm-hmm. But. So they only played under that name for two shows. And then in 1974, they decided to change it to Blondie. So the reason why they did change it to Blondie, um, it was due to Deborah Harry because she kept getting a lot of cat calls from passerbys that would call out like, hey, Blondie. You know, I've gotten that a few times in my day. I have it. Yeah, because you, you're not a blonde. I am a blonde. I get, hey, asshole. <laughs> So, yeah, I tried to, tried to, you know, use, try to get that name going with people when I was younger. Like, just call me Blondie, but no one took upon it. I was trying. But. It's probably trademarked anyway. I'm sure it probably was, but I mean. You get you know. a cease and desist letter yeah. from <laughs> Debbie Harry going, no. No, you can't Chris and I own the trademark on that. So, anyway, so that was. Track, the, tracking down to the farm. To you're the like, farm. Like, what the fuck? So, um, the only original band members of the group were Debbie and Chris Stein, as well as Billy O'Connor, and um, who was on drums, and Fred Smith, who was on bass. But by 1975, they had replaced the drummer with... Clem Burke! There you go. The one you were waiting on. A.K.A. Elvis Ramone. There you go. Because he did two shows of the Ramones. Just two, and I gave him that name. Yep, in the okay. 80s, yeah. So they, they replaced him with the drummer Clem and the bassist Gary Lockman. And they added a keyboardist, Jimmy Destry. I'm probably saying that wrong. I believe it's Jimmy Destry. Destry? Yeah. D E S T R I. Destry. Okay. Um, they were regular performers. The whole band was in general. They were regular performers at Max's in Kansas City and, of course, at the famed CBGB's. God, I would have loved to have been back then. To see so many of those bands that hit it in CBGBs, like but, Blondie, Talking Heads, Ramones. Oh, my Lord, that would have been that would have been great. They should have let you in when you were an infant. Yeah, when I was an infant. Yeah. I wasn't even born in 75. Oh. They let me, <laughs> you would have been the They should have let me in as an infant then. So um, in 1975, they signed with the um, record recording label Private Stock Records. And they released their debut album, Blondie, in 1976. Uh, they didn't have much success uh, on this, and they thought that um, it'd be better to buy back their rights to the album, which I should have looked up the monetary price of this, because I just think as a new band that that would be kind of pricey. pricey. Unless it really sold for shit, right. and the label's like, we'll take anything for it. Yeah, so they bought back their rights right, you said to it was the on album. private stock? Yeah. I think they um, put out the David Soul albums. I don't know. Starsky and Hutch fame. Okay. His solo hit, Don't Give Up On Us. 
Oh. I'm just throwing it in there so I can add it to the Spotify oh, playlist. Gosh, okay. <laughs> so they bought back the rights and then they signed, re-signed, or signed mm. with Chrysalis, a British label, and they reissued that first album in 77. So, um, and that year um, of 77, uh, besides being the famous birth of myself um, in 77, that year Blondie also opened for two well-known artists of the time, Vince. This is a trivia for you. Engelbert Humperdinck. Do you know who those two artists were? No. No. That's why I said Engelbert Humperdinck. It definitely was not Engelbert Humperdinck. Jerry Dorsey. And that's one. That's only one person. Um, David Bowie and okay. Iggy Pop. David Bowie. Bowie. So uh, Bowie and Pop both have heard the uh, band's debut album, and they really liked it, and so they invited them on this tour. Um, this was a great opportunity for the band because um, that's kind of they got a little bit of a break in the music industry over in the um, UK because they really didn't have much success in the US other than being like kind of staples at Max's in Kansas City like they performed there a lot um, but they really didn't have mainstream kind of success so over in um, the UK they were able to get a little bit of a um, musical running streak when they opened for David Bowie and Iggy. Um, so they had another lucky um, break that same year when the Australian music show kind of, I'm gathering a lot like MTV, but it was called Countdown. Okay. And the show's music interviewer, which is, he's, I guess, a well-known name over there, Molly Meldrum. He accidentally played Blondie's song In the Flesh which was at the time on the B-side of their single Ex Offender, which was off their yeah. first album. So that accident put um, that single Ex Offender on the charts um, in, in Australia, um, and it hit number two. And the full-length album hit um, the top 20. So that was a huge break for them. They became big in Australia um, before they were over here still. So in 1978, uh, Gary Valentine, he had left the band at this time. So their second album, Plastic Letters, which was released um, with just as a four-piece band okay. at the time. So um, yeah, bummer for Gary. But um, the single from that album, which was um, Denise, Dennis, Dennis, how do they say it? Dennis in the album. Let's just say Dennis. But she sounds like when she's singing it, I think it was supposed to be Dennis because it's D-E-N-I-S. But when she's singing it, it literally does sound like she's saying Denise. Denise, Denise. But anyway, that was a cover from the band Randy and the Rainbows. Oh. Yeah, which was a 1963 hit, Denise. So I think she was trying to change it so it would be more, I guess, appropriate for her to sing to a gentleman versus her singing to Denise, but okay. still came out like she was singing to Denise. But I have a cute little funny story about oh, that. Oh, goodness. I know. So I always played Blondie when the girls were little. Yeah. And just, their father's name was Donnie, so they would change the words to <laughs> that to Dunny, Dunny. But anyway, I thought <laughs> it was kind of cute. The That's girls funny. would sing it. So, yeah, so that was... Uh, 
from that album. And then their third album, uh, Parallel Lines, was released that following year in September. They had a lot That's going a great on. Album. Yeah, that Parallel Lines is a fantastic album. That's the one where I thought I had two of the best of blondies. Well, yeah. it comes, I have two Parallel Lines. Okay. Oh. What condition are they in? They're both in great condition. Maybe, and I'm, Maybe we should put one in the store. I'm keeping one for my daughter, oh. who's also oh. a big Blondie fan. Well, never mind that. Yes. So the third album, Parallel Lines, was released later the following year in September. For the first time ever, that band was a six-piece band. Six-piece? Six-piece. They had Frank and Fent- Fante. Sorry if I'm slaughtering your names. I'm horrible at names, but... I-N-F-A-N-T-E. He was finally to replace Gary Valentine. Um, and Gary Valentine played the bass. So yeah. he, he was finally to replace him. But then they went ahead and um, got um, at it Nigel Harrison, who was at it as a, as a full-time bassist. So therefore, Frank Infanty? Inf- Just call him oh. Frank. Frank switched to from bass to guitar full-time. Okay. So there was a, the sixth piece. And it was kind of neat because that's when they started. Who was, who was playing keyboards? Uh, that was. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Let me look back in my notes. Oh. Now you're going to. Oh, make... oh, Jimmy Destry, wasn't yes, it? Yes, Jimmy Destry. Yes, thank you. And you're making. Yes, thank you. So I was trying to think who was in the yeah, sixth piece. Like at that that point. Was, yeah, it was, so it was Jimmy. So this album became the most successful one in the U.S. up to this point. So that was in 78 when Parallel Lines was released. And then in 1979, the disco remix of Heart of Glass, which is actually a great mix. Um, That one was revamped by good old Clem and... Um, who he said he, when he was revamping that, he took um, some influences from the band Kraftwerk and oh, the really? Bee Gees. Yeah, which I thought that was kind of interesting. He kind of said he kind of used their influences to help him give it their, the disco feel that he was looking for. Interesting. Um, but I think also at this time, so this is when, you know, we got the disco era coming up in, in New York. Yeah. You know, everybody's hanging out at, um, what is it? Oh, uh, uh, Studio 54. Studio 54. Everyone's hanging out there. Um, and you also had the burgeoning um, hip-hop scene, too. You did, but yeah, we're not on that. We're more on this, talking about the disco scene of that, this time. But at that time, there was um, a short little um, like video commercial or production that was to showcase um, Studio 54. Yeah. And I guess to get more people to come. And in that clip, you saw a, um, a clip of of Deborah Harry there okay. um, being her cute little self. Um, and that's also, I think, at this time, you're going to start seeing a shift, see people starting to focus on her. Like every band that has a female <sighs> yes, singer? Yes, of course. And plus, she was hella cute. She's still cute. I mean, she's old. She's 76, 78. She just had her birthday. I mean, Debbie looking awesome. But she was hot back then. She really was. Um, so yeah, so they're starting. So you're gonna start seeing where she's becomes more of the focus, and she's more of the blondie of the band. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's also starting to get a little bit more of um, personal notoriety um, because of her sexual character, and the, and she kind of plays on that a little bit. Um, so that kind of got her um, celebrity like status. Um, 
but the band kept on going as a, as a team, and in late 79, the fourth album, Eat to the Beat, was released. It did not do as well as Parallel Lines um, in any way, but it did release uh, the singles um, Dreaming and Union City Blues, which I do love these songs, but I have to agree that they're probably yeah, two of the better off of that yeah, album. Dreaming is a good song. Dreaming though. is a great song. Um, Union City Blues, I, I mean, I could see how it's not wouldn't be a favorite but i really do like it but didn't it do okay overseas uh, yeah yeah of course yeah oh it's got atomic on it though yeah atomic's a great song atomic is a great yeah. song mm. all right but interrupted so oh, damn, and then it's a good song <laughs> i think in um god 96 sleep i think it was sleeper covered that for the transpotting uh, soundtrack oh and it sounds pretty much identical to oh, the original funny. So in that following year of 1980, um, the, the anticipation. I know the anticipation. Debbie collaborated with a music producer, Giorgio Moroder, who also produced the ever popular disco diva Donna Summers. Mm -hmm. And um, Moroder was producing a lot of. Yeah, after popular the popular dance songs. Yeah, after, yeah, he's done a bunch of dance. He was considered the father of modern dance music. Yeah, because he figured out the, what the perfect beat to get people out Ooh. on the floor. Well, he is right because it makes me wanna dance. And then after yeah. the American Gigolo soundtrack of Call Me, he started doing yes. a shitload of soundtracks. Yeah. So as you just said, so that um, Call Me was became the title track uh, for that movie released in 1980 with Richard Gere. The American Gigolo. You know, you should show off here that you have the um, Call Me 12-inch promo. I do. Thanks the, to uh, a nice, sweet boyfriend of mine. I know. I think it's got the... Didn't have the extended mix on there, I think? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that I... Was a, that was another treasure from a bargain band. That was. That was. I have many of her albums. I'm, you know, isn't most of your Blondie and Debbie Harry stuff from yes. the bargain band? It is all from majority of the bargain band. Yeah, I think all of it is. Um, you know, and I have even some of her other pop solo albums that are not as popular, but I mean, they're great. It's, it's like, it's, like you're going to turn away a Debbie yeah, Harry I'm or Blondie record yeah, for a dollar. Yeah, no, not a lot. I mean, and I have been really lucky and found some, um, seven inches that have the picture sleeves, yeah. which is really cool that, you know, I like to I found you, well. I was going to get you one. I was out one day doing a solo hunt because you had to work. And I feel I figure which Blondie seven inch it was had the picture sleeve, mm -hmm. and I was like all screaming inside. Like, <laughs> and then I pulled out, and the record was cracked. Oh, yeah. It was only two bucks. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, "This is garbage." Yeah, it would have been two. But I did get to a Debbie Harry one. I think yeah. got to um, I feel which one it was. I don't know, but like I said, out of all of them, I thought I really owned the best of. And when I went to go look for it for this episode, I was like, what? Well, luckily I, I had one. I know. I am very lucky. So now I'm going to be back on the hunt because that one was already sold. So yeah. we had to have to send it. But anyway. So this. Yeah, because I had it because I got it. Yeah. At a record show. I got a whole bunch of records that day. Yeah. And I was like, I got your best of Blondie. And she was like, I already have it. And I was like, oh. Yeah. So I put it up in our eBay yeah. store, and then she was like, oh, I don't have it on vinyl. And I was yeah. like, well, that's too bad, because it just sold. <laughs> Unless it's in my mix of other albums that I have not been able to alphabetize. Alphabetize? Alphabetize, yes. Because we have been been really busy on the weekends hunting yeah. and 
recording. So yeah, this is really the first weekend we haven't hunted for records in I, know. I don't know how long. I mean, last weekend we went to one place. But yeah. You just got that Zymox album and. I did. I got a whole bunch of stuff that I can't talk about because I'm going to do it in the future episode. Well, yeah, and you don't want to name drop too much, and then our, you know, yeah, we don't want coordinating to go, playlist our, our, our Spotify playlist. The last episode four is like 50 yeah. songs. <laughs> um, so call me. Yes. Finally, it made it onto the American Billboard's um, as the year end chart review mm-hmm. um, to number one. So that as it was, should as it should absolutely, but that was really the first time as making you know headway over here during that same time um in the 80s which i thought this was really cool um the band was also in a small film called roadie oh yeah which also starred none other than my one of my other favorites art carney Uh, yes art carney no meatloaf and and oh god alice cooper's in it yes that's right cocaine alice yes Cocaine Alice, your favorite. Yeah. Um, it was just a short little bit, but when she was on, when the band was on there, they were performing Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire. So I thought that'd be pretty interesting because I've never heard that. I've seen so the movie, but I don't remember. It's just, a, I guess, a short clip. Um, so, and then finally in 19, uh, the later portion of 1980, Blondie released their fifth album, Auto American. The only hit off that album was The Tide is High. That's another good song. Yeah, which is actually a cover. You know, I, uh, a cover song, which I didn't know that from um, a '67 band. They must have liked that year. Rejoin, yeah. You know, whoever songs. was picking their singles mm-hmm. was doing an amazing job. Yeah. So this this was um, a cover from the band The Paragons. Never heard of them. Um, uh, this album is a little bit different than the previous other four. Um, it was. They actually showed, I think, more of their musical style to this because you have um, Tide is High, which is has a very reggae-ish beat to it. Yeah, you know, it's funny that like in the late 70s, early 80s, almost everyone had to have a reggae song. Even the well, Scorpions yeah. had one. Oh, yeah. So and I think Billy Joel's band were going to do one. Uh-huh. And, oh, God, I've got the name of this drummer. Uh, was it Liberty right. DeVito? We'll go with that. I think so, but he told Billy Joel he was going to quit the band if he did the, this one song with a reggae beat. Huh. So, anyway, this, mess up that's alright. So the album has, like I said, has a, has a little bit of different feel to it. It has does show their diverse range and um, their musical styles. And then, uh, following later in that year, um, the band went on a break. Um, Debbie Harry and uh, Jimmy Destry, they worked on their solo albums. Um, Burke went on to play drums on a debut album of the band The Eurythmics. Oh, really? Yeah. And Harry Stein and Destry, they all worked on a movie um, score by the very own, Baltimore's own famous movie, Don Dollar. movie producer. John Waters, oh, okay. which was polyester. Oh, really? yeah, yeah. So those three worked on polyester, which is kind of interesting. That was very kind of a cult classic-ish, yeah. Um, kind of underground movie. If you don't know it, check it out. It's, it's definitely um, it's a great introductory piece to John Waters. If you don't know John Waters, uh, it's kind of fun. Anyway, very artsy, kind of that art art style. Um, last but not least, Frank um, 
Frank, because I don't <laughs> want to slaughter his last name again, uh, he went on to actually sue the band uh, Blondie for his lack of involvement in Auto American. He thought he should have had more involvement in it. Mm. Um, he said that he really wasn't involved, but yet on the cover of the album, yeah. he's on there. So the band's kind of like, no, you were involved. Um, so you can really kind of start to see, I think, like the um, popularity and like how the s- things are starting to untangle a little bit within the band. Uh, but that definitely didn't stop them from going on and, um, you know, releasing um, other albums. But at this time, because they were on a little break, I guess um, Chrysalis kind of didn't want to let that let go because they, they probably saw how, you know, successful they could be and successful they were in other countries. So they went ahead and released the Best of Blondie. And um, it was Best of Blondie in the US, um, but it was released in the Netherlands and Germany as Blondie's Hits. Mm-hmm. It reached uh, four in the UK, um, num- 30 in the US, and number one spot in Australia. There you go. Yeah, and it was their greatest hits compilation. Uh, the cover of the album shows the band members on a rooftop in Manhattan, and that was taken, in, the picture was taken in 79. Um, the side one uh, of the album has Heart of Glass um, and has Dreaming, The Tide is High, In the Flesh, Sunday Girl, Hanging on the Telephone. And then on side two was um, Rapture, One Way or Another, I'm Always Touched, By Your Presence, Dear, which was Gary Valentine had wrote that one. Um, and then Call Me and Atomic was on that one. Um, thank you. So now I can see. No, people have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, because I just put my glasses on because he stole them from me. So another thing I thought was interesting that um, there was a video version of the album that was released. Really? Um, On Betamax? It was on VHS. Oh, okay. Yeah, since this was like at the rise of MTV, Mm -hmm. period, how happy do you think that record label was that Debbie Harry looked like she did? Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, to be in the front. Oh, my God. They're like... Yeah, just put the camera on her. They didn't have to do a Millie Vanilli thing. They were like, ah, she looks good already. We're just going to let her stay in the front in her cute little outfits. Yeah, um, she was great. So this album, the Best of Blondie, it had several versions with different tracks, um, which slightly, some of them slightly varied from the North American and the international releases, um, depending on you know the popular popularity of the songs um the u.s and the canadian edition included one way or another um, which was not issued um as a single in europe that's it so that's interesting yeah so that was kind of good uh the international version of the album included three songs that were not on the north american release was x offender one of them it was picture this union city blues and um denise hmm yeah i thought the australian one would have had X Offender on it, since it was right. got that airplay back in back in days. Right. Well, that one I think it. Well, that was a single over there. Yeah, but you think it would have been on the best? Yeah, now? that's true. You thought, yeah. Lazy. Rapture was also um, was in the edited version of the twelve-inch disco mix Ooh. that was released in the UK and in Europe. Um, yeah. So that's that's it. So. So what happened after? 
Best of Blondie. Well, after Best of Blondie, um, that following year, they released their um, another album. Make me look back in my notes. Did they help you? Mm, the Hunter. Yes. It was The Hunter. Yeah, which actually that wasn't. No, they reconvened in 81 and released Hunter in 82. Two, yeah. Yes. Um, With Debbie wearing the most ridiculous wig on the album cover. Oh, my gosh. I know. Uh, yeah, it was poorly received. It didn't do. Yeah, the know. band was at its, you know, yeah. it just, it was at its natural end at that point. Um, the two, what they call, quote unquote, hit singles that came off of that album was Island of Lost Souls and War Child. Um, yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And then they also, it also included maybe, this might be, maybe help jog your memory a little bit, but it included the For Your Eyes Only song, which was actually commissioned and recorded for the 1981 James Bond film of the same name. But they ended up going with Sheena Easton. Yes, and they end up, right, chose another song that was Sheena E. What song was that from Sheena E? Do you remember? Was it the Sheena Easton did, um, her song's called For Your Eyes Only. Oh, Because okay. it was the name of the James Bond movie. Oh, well, it's like in the early okay. 70s, the Alice Cooper band, the original lineup, yeah. they're like, man, we really want to do a James Bond movie theme. So they wrote yeah. a song. Because they knew the next one was called Man with the Golden Gun. Mm-hmm. So they wrote a song for it called mm-hmm. Man with the Golden Gun. It sounds like a James Bond theme. And they submitted oh. it, and the studio went, no way. Who was the James Bond at this time period in, in 81? 81? Yeah. Roger Moore. Oh. I was just curious. Yeah, those Roger Moore ones got really terrible. Yeah. Well, then, yeah. They should have had the Blondie. Well, I guess Blondie were kind of starting to be a little bit on the downswing. They were. And that cover of Hunter, too, just like you said, she has a ridiculous wig. It's not a good cover. No. It's really not. I mean, I think it was trying to be like more of the avant-garde, artsy period. But, yeah, I I don't like it at all. I don't. So that's the end of my set. Look at that. That's not that long. And no dead people. Well, I mean, I could go on. <laughs> well, I'm sure you could. <laughs> but no, no. But, you know, it's funny. Wait, I don't have any dead people on either. Whoa. This is like our first episode of No Dead Musicians, I think. Whoa. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty um, impressive. Very impressive. Mm-hmm. But I had to learn a lot about Blondie. I mean, she's one. Of, she's always been one of my favorites. Um, driving around with my good buddy Eric, um, he was the one I think really got me into Blondie. I mean, when I was in high school, I remember just jamming away, singing with him in his car, and hanging out in his bedroom. But so I'm really <coughs> thankful for that he uh, he got me into the into Blondie because she's fantastic. Well, I'm sure he'll be thrilled when he listens to the episode. That's right. Yeah, because he he, he does was giving listen. us suggestions a he couple was. weeks ago. He absolutely he was, was messaging you saying you should do this one. Yes, which we well, I'm not going to say who he suggested because yeah, we I did it. get that one, couple of those art that artist records out of a bargain bin, so yeah, it's a possibility. I, and I told him that we would have to call, give him a, his it could be a call in. Yeah, guest. He, could, he, could talk about <laughs> he could talk about it. But just as how crazy he was and how much he loved um, Debbie as well. Um, he found out mm, where she lived down in Manhattan, her Manhattan studio down there. He found out where she lived and he went down (laughs) and stood out on the um, sidewalk screaming, Debbie, Deborah. 
And of course she did not come out, but I just love the initiative that he went down there to, um, to try to get her attention because he, that's he hilarious. But yeah, so I thought that, that was pretty great. <laughs> but, oh goodness. Yeah. Well, that was Bobby's treasure from the bargain bin. That's the blondie. Yes. So check it out, get it, listen it's to it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it gives you all the best of all her albums uh, on the one. Yeah. The best of the, the first go around before yeah, they the reformed in the 90s right. and but been even then, going the last 24 years yeah i mean but even then i mean you can definitely and like they're they're her hits they're like the ones you want to go to like i couldn't even tell you some of the main ones from the 90s i really couldn't no, I, I think uh, i'm not shitting on the bands because there were some good albums yeah. but since they reconvened i think they only had one hit maria yeah you're right and there was yeah. a remix of that with snoop dogg on it um i've never heard that yeah, it's i on cannot the, it's on the imagine single. that yeah yeah, but I think you're right. But I mean, so yeah, when you listen to Blondie, I mean, that's who I think of. I think of the you know the late '70s, early '80s, and that yeah. was a really short period of time from '76 yeah, to '81. Yeah. Like that's a really short period of time to bust out those out five albums, and then yeah. you have a best of. Like that's just pretty crazy to me. I just feel like now you have bands that go on for a long time before you finally even have a best of. Well, maybe because it takes that long for them to create some really good hits. Well, I don't know. some people don't want to do best albums because they want you to keep buying the individual albums. Yeah. Coldplay, Metallica. <coughs> oh, wow. That was some name dropping. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're not, not going to be on the playlist, though. That's why I coughed them out. Because <laughs> there's no way, no way either of those bands are ever be on one of our playlists. <laughs> no. Not unless I go, it's like 24 bands that Vince and Bobby do not like. Mm, yeah. No, and we don't want to we don't want to promote that. No. So check out her stuff. Love her as much as I do. And plus, and if you don't love her music, I mean, you can just go and F yourself. We'll just love her. Put your head up so your cute. butt. She's so cute. Well, as Bobby daydreams about Debbie yeah. Harry. Yeah, I was. <laughs> We're gonna take a little break and we'll be right back right with back. Treasure from the Bargain Bin, the damned, the black album. Vince style. Vulgarity laden. No, not <laughs> probably. Nice. Maybe not. Stick around. Stick around. Check out our other um, stuff while you're waiting for us to yeah. come back. I feel, like, I feel like Dennis Hopper in Blue Velvet. Don't you look at me! Don't look at me! When he's huffing. Oh, poor Luke, our cat. I say R because I'm yeah. claiming him too. He's yeah. so cute. Um, okay. So, welcome back to the second part of episode five. Yes. Thanks for coming back. More treasures in the bargain bin. Mm-hmm. Before we get to the damned, mm-hmm. I just want to remind everyone to subscribe, like, follow, share. Yes. The podcast on whichever format or 
platform. Platform. You're listening to us on. Um, it means so much to us if you would do that. Yes, please. And, you know, we're trying to get at least 100 subscribers would be fantastic. And if we could get to 100, I mean, I'd like more. But if we can, our first 100, I have some ideas for some prizes to send out to help get us. um, We'll do some giveaways. Giveaways, yeah. So please, please share us and like us and subscribe. and Love us and adore us. and Just like we adore you. Yeah. And and you can um, head over to bittersweetandtwistedrecords.com where you find all of our um, social media links, all the links where you can check out the podcast, a link to our eBay store where you can buy some records and some CDs yep, and get some sets. merch. Yeah, go over to Tee Public where we've got some t-shirts. Yeah, and we've got, great for the holiday what else for we got? fall and we've the got, spooky time. We've got what? We've got uh, totes and totes, cell phone covers. Cell phone covers. Onesies. I want to see a baby in a bittersweet and twisted records onesie. I was going to say I want to see an an adult and a onesie. I don't think it's going to work out, though. No. I told you I saw Because Vern Troyer's onesie. dead, so it's not going to work. Oh. I saw an adult onesie at that flea That's market we stupid. were at. Yeah, the guy offered to put it on and dance for me. That's so <laughs> stupid. So stupid. <laughs> oh, but anyway, but cute babies. I'll definitely take that in, a one, in one of our onesies. That'd be perfect. So go on there and just support us. Buy some merch. Yep. Um, get our name out. Bittersweetandtwistedrecords.com. Yeah. And our awesome logo has a great crow for the good Halloween good time. For Halloween. It's just good for all. I mean, every day is Halloween to me. <laughs> so um, yeah, just, just go out there and get them. Do it. Do it. I don't know what you're doing. Do it. it. Well, I mean, you can listen to this and go over and yeah. check it out. You can do. You, you could do both. You can multitask. Yeah. You could listen to us and go on over and Give check us money. Us out. Please. I mean, I'm a little more forward about it, you know. That. Things aren't free, so, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you love us, help us. No, that sounds desperate. No, we are. We love you, though. And we want you to love we us. We might. I don't know. We like a couple of you. Yeah. Some of you, I don't know, you might be a little iffy. We don't know. You might be, you might be a little suspect. I don't know what people we attract. I don't know. <laughs> Probably a bunch of old people like us. No, well, that's okay. As long as you love music as much as we do, that's fine. That's true. But um, before we start droning on too much, we should focus on getting back to Treasures from the Bargain Bin. Okay. Which is? What Which is yours? Is my album is The Dam's 1980 album, The Black Album. Mm-hmm. And I hope you know who The Damned are. If you don't, then I, I'm not sure where you've been. But if you're listening to this, I, I would think that you would know who they are. I would assume that our, our, audience, our audience might would know. know. Yeah. Yeah, if you're... Might, they better know. I would hope so. I mean, The Damned have um, a very long storied career. I'm not going to go into to it because we'd be here for mm-hmm. days on end. But if you um, are on Amazon, you can check out the uh, Don't You Wish We Were Dead documentary. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not on Prime, but I think you ran for like three bucks. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, which it's, I saw my list, good. though, to see. I mean, it's good. It, gets a lot of fun. it starts to ramble a little bit, and mm-hmm. at some point the guys kind of look like dickheads, but... Hmm. They might just be, so... They may be, but I like to think they're not. I like the band, so they can be dickheads all they want. Um, and also, the um, No Dogs in Space podcast mm-hmm. did like a three-part series on the history of the Damned. They which did. is good, so I mean, there's no point in me rehashing that when you can just go listen to their podcast, which goes into a lot of detail, especially in yeah. the early days. 
Yeah, shout out to Marcus and Carolina Heldago. I like to think that I know them. So because you've listened, guys? To, you've listened to so many episodes. Yeah, so many episodes, like <laughs> and they're music people like we are. I just feel like they're just a little bit, you know, they're just younger than we are, but they know so much about music, which I love. So yeah, go listen yeah, to their so um, check them out. Damned episodes. Mm-hmm. All right, let me get into it then. Get it on. I've plugged other two other people's projects that aren't ours. So well, hopefully they will. No, they won't. I was going to say plug us, but that doesn't sound right, really yeah, good. No. I, I don't feel like being plugged by Marcus. <laughs> um, but yeah, the chances are them ever hearing this is pretty slim, but you never know. You never know. You never know. But anywho, Safuge. The dam formed in London during 1976 with Dave Vanian on vocals, Woo-hoo. Brian James on guitar, Captain Sensible on bass, and Rat Scabies on drums. Nothing better than that name, though. Seriously. They were the first UK punk band to release a single, mm-hmm. New, New Rose, an album, Damned, 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 and a tour of the US. And they're also probably the first UK punk band to break up and reform. Yeah. I have to say, though, you mentioned their first album. Yeah. I love that album. It's, I know not a lot of people, it's either you do or you don't. Really? And a lot of people have a little bit. Um, it's a good album. It is a good album. But I just, because it really does, when they when you think of like that generation or that time period of punk rock, that's really, to me, has that nice that's punk feel to it. It better. I know. But it's fantastic. But anyway, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. I love that album. What? But after their um, next album, Music for Pleasure, in 1977, the band broke up. And towards the end of that tour, Rat had a breakdown and left the band. And he was replaced by Culture Club drummer John Moss. Mm-hmm. And after that tour, the band was done. Yeah. That was it. But six months later, they reformed with Vaney and Sensible and Scabies as The Doomed. And <laughs> Brian James wasn't part of the um, re- reunion. They just like the D words. Yeah. And they are able to carry on as the damned with Sensible moving over to guitar and Algie Ward joined on bass. <laughs> and they released the album Machine Gun Etiquette. Yeah, that's a great album too. Yeah, it's a very good album. I think it's like the they just was it like this was that like forty two years ago at this point? Oh my gosh. I think so because I know well, that yeah, I, mean, I know they had like some for, they did like some 40th anniversary shows for it. I mean, they came out pretty much well, well what, 76, 76 yeah. so a year before I was born. So yeah, that's 45 years years ago. Oh my goodness, we're aging ourselves. Yeah, and so in 1980, the dawn of a new decade, Ward left and was replaced by former Eddie and the Hot Rods bassist Paul Gray. Mm-hmm. In the same year, The Damned released the Black Album. Yes, which is... It's a great album. It is a great album. And it was released by Cheswick Records in the UK. And it was produced by the band with Hans Zimmer. And Hans went on to win multiple awards, including an Academy Award yeah. for his film scores to such films as Gladiator and The Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, I was like, I know that name. Like, yeah. I couldn't tell he's you who he did, but I mean... So many I just scores. Feel like he, he's, has a he did some of the um, Spider-Man movies, too. Ooh. I don't think I, I don't think it, you know not the Tom Holland ones. I think it was right. the the previous ones, the and, ones of Andrew Garfield. Oh, okay. Pretty sure I think and yeah, the Johnny Marr worked on those too. Yeah. Him? And he did the um I think he did some of the um some Batman scores too. I think. Hmm. 
But the Black Owl was recorded at Rockfield Studios in Monmouth, Wales. Ooh. And this album added more goth and psychedelic overtones yes. to the band's sound. And it was the first one to feature um, Vanian's growing vocal abilities and more of a crooning style of singing than oh. previously. And all the songs were um, written by Scaby, Sensible, Gray, and Vanian, with additional help from Billy Karloff, mm -hmm. Giovanni, the Domo of the Sniveling Shits, and Faye Hart. <laughs> That's a great name of a band. They ended up changing their name to The Hits. Oh, that was awful. Why didn't they keep it? But the Damo had previously co-written the, with the Damned on the song, I Just Can't Be Happy Today. Hmm. Which, that's a great song, too. Are you going to get to the point to why it's called the Black Album? No. I'm just curious, because it's not a black... I mean, the album, I guess, the vinyl's black, but the cover and everything, I mean... Well, we'll talk about the cover here in a moment. Okay. And the album itself features the tracks Dockle... Dockle. Mm-hmm. Dockle. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. <laughs> Wait for the Blackout, Lively Arts, Silly Kids Games, and History of the World Part 1, which are still part of the band's live set. Mm. And those songs, except for Silly Kids Games, are all released as UK singles. Hmm. Now, in, since it was a double album, yes. the original pressing, Side 3 featured one track. One? One track. It was 17 minutes long. It's called Curtain Call. Wow. And then Side 4 featured live tracks recorded at Shepperton Studios for a, it was part of a special show they had done for the band's fan club members. Oh. And since you were already jumping to the cover. Sorry, I was just. It was designed by Dave Vanian. Hmm. And this original pressing that I'm holding in my hands right here. I know. That I got for a dollar. I know. Pretty impressive. Pretty, it's pretty impressive. Um, it's. I just mean that it's impressive that you got it for a dollar for one. Though. Like I, mean, I can't the imagine the damned being the, the cover is pretty jacked up though. Yeah, it is. Where it got the gatefold got wet yeah. and stuck together. The inside gatefold has all the lyrics and a black and white picture of the band. It's such a shame that this is so messed it up is. though. But it was a dollar. But like I said, Dave's photo in the yeah, center Dave, is Dave, not ruined. Yeah, Dave's <laughs> face is fine. It's just Captain and everyone else got stuck together when you look at that cover i i i look at it and i see like maybe some where robert smith might have got some influences some from some of those photos i just feel like it Who looks knows? very it could have happened but it's a great album and in 1982 mm -hmm. big beat big beat records reissued it as a single album without curtain calling the live tracks okay and they gave it an all-black cover Oh. With an embossed um, damned logo. Okay, I, I've Is, seen that one. Yeah, we saw that up in Massachusetts yes. last year. Yeah. And we were like, you showed it to me, and I was like, oh, really? I was interested, but I, how, I think I wanted like 30 bucks for yeah. it. Yeah, well, of course, as much as... And it was pretty beat up, too. Anytime you see the damn things out, yeah. is it's, it's very rare that you would find it in a... Uh, bargain, bin. bargain bin. And so the fact that we found it, yeah, the, it was and, damaged. And the, but... the thing is, about when I found this... Like, I was flipping through, and I saw the top of the cover, yeah. and I knew exactly what it was. Yeah. I pulled out, and behind it was the 12-inch single for the dams, anything. Yep. So I got both those. I like it. I mean, I could see it. It's very gothy, because it looks yeah. like, you know, cemetery. I mean, the Captain Sensible like has said it's a goth album. Yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? A cemetery plaque. That's what it looks like. Like, on a headstone. Yeah. That's what it looks like. And so when um, Big Beat reissued it with all black cover, it was more seen as a 
parody of the Beatles' The White Album. Funny. And Dave used to try to say, no, it wasn't, but Rat was like, yeah, it's exactly what it is. That's funny. I mean, well, yeah, because, you know, the Beatles were huge over there, yeah. and so I could totally see where they would, you know, not being from that, uh, with, what's the word I'm looking for, like, that genre of music that the Beatles were. Yeah. I could see how I'd be like, yeah, it's make fun of them. And in 2005, it was reissued on CD as a two-CD set, and they included Curtain Call, the live tracks again, plus all the um, B-sides from the singles and some non-album singles. Nice. And I have that version. Do And it is awesome. Awesome. Now, I don't... And cool. I don't know the the Curtain... Now, I know that, that there's a song called The Curtain yeah. Call, but I don't know the 17-minute version length yeah. of... Or it's listen awesome. to the whole thing. It's awesome. The whole song is awesome. Yeah. It doesn't get... I mean, when you think that length for a song, you're starting to start to think of jam bandish, yeah. but it's not jam band No, definitely style, not. No. Right? Is he singing the whole time, 17 well, most minutes? Most of it, yeah. Wow, I need to go and listen. And this to was it. around. The, I think it's around the same time they did the um, Friday the Thirteenth EP. Oh, which hmm. I have. Ooh, I got. I didn't pay much for that either. It wasn't a bargain bin price, but I feel like I have a great n- bit of knowledge about the Damned, but just I don't think I fully have ever listened to the full length of Curtain Call. Well, we're gonna have to rectify that. Make sure I put it in the playlist. Yeah. It'll take up most of the playlist. Yeah, now. we just make that its own own playlist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, um, I've read somewhere recently, I wish I could find the article again, but it was, I don't know if it, how true this is, but it said mm-hmm. that in the 90s when the record label who, because originally Ch- Cheswick put out um, this album, and then they went out of business and their catalog was bought by Big Beat. And then Big Beat, I think, was bought out by Ace Records. Mm-hmm. And then in this article I was reading that Ace was having financial difficulties, so they put a bunch of their catalog up for auction. Mm-hmm. And I had read that Dave and Rat had bought the Damned albums that they that label had controlled. Oh, okay. But I went when I was doing research for this episode, uh-huh. I couldn't find that article oh. again. So it may or may not be true that okay. Rat and Dave own this album. All right. But that'd be awesome if they did. That would be. Which would explain all the various reissues recently on different color vinyl. Yeah. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. Yeah, because all these bands, they're all getting up there and they all need retirement funds yeah, for can't, their can't retirement for village. <laughs> um, and their next album was 1982 Strawberries. Yeah, that's a good one. And after that, Captain and Paul Gray left. Captain went on to his solo career. What? Yeah. Sorry. Say what? <laughs> I couldn't help myself. And then Paul joined UFO. Yeah. And then later had a brief uh, tenure with Fastway. And Rat and Dave continued on mm-hmm. with some new members for the rest of the decade before calling it a day. Yeah. But then in the 90s, as bands tend to do, especially the damn, mm-hmm. they reunited yep. with various lineups through the 90s. It's true. But by 2000, the lineup focused on Vanian and mm-hmm. Captain Sensible. Yeah. With additional players, including um, Patricia Morrison from Gun Club and Sisters yeah. of Mercy. And she ended up marrying Dave. And they have kids. And she retired from the band. 
so I just thought of something. I met her too. Ooh, lucky you. I met her backstage at a Sex and Children show. Well, aren't you and lucky? She was very friendly, and it completely escaped me to get a picture with her. I would have done that because I think like I I feel I start to get like mm, like how many times do they have people that come up and harass yeah. them and I'm always like I don't want to be the one harassing yeah. them. What if I'm the one? They're like, no, f you. You're not getting shit. Yeah, I mean, me. she was just backstage of show, just hanging out. But mm. you mentioned the gun club, and that brought me back to who I just got done talking about was Deborah Harry, and oh, she her was and Chris also Stein. yeah. Were on. Um, um, oh, I forget which one. They were on the first two. Yeah, the backing vocals mm-hmm, for the backing vocals for the I, Gun Club. I think so. Debbie used a fake name for that. Yes, she did. I don't I think remember. I have it right in my head. I but can't remember which one it is, but let me look back see if I have it written down. But yeah, I mean that's kind of cool though. That kind of ties. We always like trying to find when we can find little things that tie each yeah. of our things together. And I just thought that when you said that, it just struck in my head. Yeah, I completely forgot about her. Yeah, Chris being on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in 2017, Paul Gray rejoined the band Mm -hmm. for their Evil Spirits album, which gave the band their first UK top 10 album when it went to number seven. And then when they did the Evil Spirits tour, I saw them in Philly in 2018 at the TLA. And I was at the front of stage. I was all excited. I was going to see... You know, most of the Black Album lineup. Right. And they came out, and I looked at the bass player, and I was like, who the fuck is that? Because <laughs> it was, Paul Gray didn't do the U.S. tour. Damn it. So I don't know who the guy playing bass was. He was fine, but. Right, he's not what, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't Paul he Gray, wasn't, right. He wasn't Paul Gray. Oh, that's funny. Um, but yeah, they were really good. and. I know, that was a year before I met you. Yeah. So that would have been lovely if I would have been able to go. Uh, it, was a, it was a great show. They even did a Proclaimers cover. Nice. Captain did a solo hit. I can see how they focused on, you know, when they started to focus on more of Dave and Captain. Yeah. I mean, they are pretty memorable characters yeah. of the band just because of their own personal style. And yeah. they are pretty. They they got a, they have good style. Yeah. Fashion sense. They're great. Dave has laid a template for goth, I would say. I would absolutely say that. I mean, because 76, I mean, and yeah. that's when you look back and you start to look at, I think there was a good shift. It was an early shift between when you started to have that um, European, the UK um, punk scene, where it started to shift in the beginning was considered punk, yeah. and then to where they started to shift to more of a goth band. I think a lot of it's because people learn to play their instruments. Wow. <laughs> I feel like that was a personal attack upon me because no. how much I love British I, punk. I so do I too, but you know, if you look a lot that of is true. there's a lot of people it started off in punk and as they went on became more um skilled. Yeah. Some people went goth and some went metal. Cuz the music tends to be more technical. Yeah. I mean I I like You can't I mean there's yeah. I, I mean is there any such thing as technical punk? Oh gosh! I mean, I'm sure. If I'm we sure were, some. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm, somebody out there's gonna listen to this. They're like, like, oh, but yes, yes. they're gonna make they're gonna make technical punk now. Yes. Prog um, punk. Uh, yes. Well, you know, Bad Religion did do that prog album yeah, early sure. on. It was like their second or third record. I like to think some of the really some of the good punk bands that 
I'm not saying they're untalented. Stuck I'm just around, saying that learn to really start to establish did. their sound and um, just that a lot of people were yeah were, in the beginning were, right were pissed off and angry and just grabbed an instrument and was, a lot of it was really basic and yeah yeah I'm not shitting on it. It's just. Yeah, I mean, definitely there was a few bands that I can definitely say, It was like, more um, uh, simplistic and yeah. um, innocent. Well, it's like um, Peter Hook said that um, when um, you're younger, when he's in Joy Division, that mm-hmm. it was, um, you made more interesting music because you didn't know how things were supposed to be done. True. And then the more you do it, you, you start being corrupted by saying, oh, this is the way songs yeah. and music are supposed to be um, created and you lose a lot of that edge and youthful yeah. energy. Yeah. Or you just get people that don't know how to play instruments at all, like in the Sex Pistols when they hired Sid, who. Could, they turned off his amp. Yeah, who didn't know how to play. They just, got they him just for liked his look. him for his looks. And he was so, Johnny's friend. Right, and he was Johnny's friend. So, you know, I mean, you look at it that way and you're like, oh, okay. But, no. And um, back to the damned. Back to the damned. In 2020, they released the Rockfield Files EP, which had been recorded in 2019, Mm -hmm. at the Rockfield Studios in Wales, where they had done the Black Album in 1980. Oh, that's cool. So these sessions had Vaney and Sensible and Gray, you know, Mm -hmm. three of the members from the Black Album playing together. Yeah. And um, in October of 2020, the dam announced that the original lineup had reformed and we're going to play a series of shows, which were promptly postponed because of COVID. Damn COVID. Now they're saying that there'll be a one-time only original lineup tour in 2022. And it'll probably be in England and we'll, we'll never see it. Pretty much. Oh, yeah. And then, you know. I have to say that that's a long career. Do you, For them to all still be living, all still making music. From 76 until just recently. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I... I just think it's... I don't know. I don't know I don't know about those guys. I said because I said about the documentary. Yeah. They come off as... um, I told you come off as dicks in the documentary. Yeah, but they I, come off pretty money-hungry, too. Well, but could you... Ca- make all that up to just the British way like i feel like a lot the brits always can come off as a little bit seem like a little snooty but i don't think that they really are it's just their demeanor could be could be i don't know but i mean dave still looks really good for his age i mean his hairline has gone back but hey (laughs) but he still looks really good and he still you know he still has it yeah they were i mean when i saw him a few years ago they were really really good yeah i'm really upset i didn't get to see them on that one yeah they were so good but, you know, it's cool that they still do, like, five of the songs off the Black Album Live. Yeah. Okay, so out of out of their albums, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, we could go more after this album. Yeah, because, I mean, after this, they had um, Phantasmagoria and right, Anything. Which is and, a great album, too. Uh, Grave Disorder. And I forget about all the Which so one, um, which album is probably your favorite? Oh, my gosh. It's, I, I mean, I... I I really like the 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 '80s stuff they did. Mm-hmm. I mean, Black Album's great. Strawberries, yeah, Phantasmagoria is, is great. Even anything has some stuff on. It's pretty good. I don't know it's probably a toss up. I guess it probably is the Black Album. Yeah, 
I mean, I do like this. I do like strawberries though. That's... I do too. That is strawberries is when I started listening to them. Yeah, you have that on cassette, don't you? I do have that on cassette. So I started listening to them. Geez, it was either middle school or right before high school. Um, so that was my introductory to really to, to them. And then, you know, then I of course started, you know, I listened to the, the black album and other things like that. But I love that album. It's just, it's a great album. My intro introduction to the Dand was Miami Vice. I can't, I'm not putting the two together, but tell me. They, um, so what Miami Vice TV series was popular in the eighties. MCA records put out a couple, um, the soundtracks and at the time the damned were signed the MCA okay so the Miami Vice volume 2 soundtrack had a damn song on it oh that's funny which song was it uh in um I'm probably gonna butcher the pronunciation but in Dulce Decorum oh. or Dulce Decorum Dulce Decorum it's um huh. I could have swore the version though on the Miami Vice 2 soundtrack is instrumental though okay I oh, could have sworn my memory. I could be completely wrong, but that was the first time I heard the damned, and I was like, "Whoa!" That's so cool, though. And so I found um, the Anything CD. Well, you know that might have opened the doorway to people that fans that were not necessarily some of the older <coughs> fans or the fans of yeah. that music if the, they're on a um, very mainstream um, television soundtrack. Yeah. Well, you know, with the Black Album, you know, that was when they became more gothy. Yeah. And by the time they got to, like, 85, when the, with the um, Miami Vice thing, 85, uh-huh. 86, they were super gothy. Yeah. Because Dave's hair had grown long and yeah. it's kind of big with the white stripe in it. Yeah, that was And cool. he was wearing the frilly shirts. and mm. Yes, he was. They were looking super gothy. My- and Rat looked so uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, I liked uh, my favorite is when Dave was he was a younger Dave and he had like this very slick back hair and he kind of darkened in to help get that little bit of a widow's peak. Yeah, oh, with the nice white yeah. powder makeup. Oh my goodness, yeah. Sometime in the two thousands, he went through a mustache phase. Ooh, it's kind of weird. I don't remember that stage. I would have yeah. to go and look because usually yeah. that would kill it for and me. And the thing is about this release. Of- mm-hmm. Of the black, it's a really good sounding release, and I, I mean, I'd love to hear one of the newer reissues to compare it to. Because mm-hmm. I know uh, Rough Trade had a exclusive color, but it sold out. Oh right, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and then out. I think uh, didn't um, Second and Charles have an exclusive color or Books a Million from yes. same company? I think they had exclusive, it but it wasn't like thirty five bucks or something. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a little pricey because I remember we I sent it to you and you're like, ah, I already have it. Blah blah. blah. Yeah, it's like, like, I got okay. my dollar version. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I got my beat up dollar version. It's fine. That's fine. But it's a good album. I think if you're gonna if you're if you've never heard the Damned, I think it's a yeah. good starting place. I, I agree. Because it's not as um, commercial and mm-hmm. gothy as the mid '80s records, but it's nowhere as punk as the early stuff. It's a nice, it's a really nice place to start. And it's not as artsy or right. as abstract as Strawberries. It's just a really good album. Solid album. The live, the live, the live tracks. They do um, live versions of Love Songs, Second Time Around, which is also known as Machine Gun Etiquette. 
Yes. Smash it up, parts one and two. New rows. I just can't be happy today. And plan nine, channel seven. So it's, I mean, it's also, I mean, the album itself also has, um, uh, Drinking About My Baby, Twisted Nerve, 13th Floor, Vendetta. There's lots of great stuff on here. Sick of This and That. Just a really great album. I just noticed, though, on the back cover, and it's black and has, like, the four members. Uh-huh. And they have, like, glow- glowing eyes because they're shining light in their eyes. Yes. But one person, I don't, I'm pretty sure it's Paul Gray has his eyes shut. Oh, so yeah. the lights are on his eyelids and everyone else is like, I don't give, like, I don't give a shit. Blind me. Yeah, you're right. But it's funny. This kind of reminds me the back cover of Kiss's um, Creatures of the Night album. Yeah, I was thinking which that. Which came out in 82. Yep. So I just, have, I just wonder if like, the mm-hmm. art, art director saw that for the Kiss one and went, you know what? Mm-hmm. We could do Kiss in the dark with glowing eyes. Creatures of the Night. Because they're creatures of the night. Creature. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, you know... I mentioned Kiss. I'd one time found um, the 1985 pressing of Creatures of Night in the two dollar bin. Oh. And the 85, say 85 version because it had it was a remix. It was mixed differently and had the non makeup version of the band on the front. That's gonna be a, have to be a whole other issue. I wish I ha- I wish I hadn't sold it though. Oh well, then that I would should be a have problem. kept it. That would have been a good um, episode of this. It would. Because I could eat up a lot of time talking about kiss you could you could have several episodes just on kiss if you would like oh yeah you could because <laughs> if i did if i did a podcast on kiss it'd just be the non-makeup right because i don't think it gets enough love i mean some of it's kind of shitty but i think there's some there's some there's some gems in there well, we'll have to add that into our um, oh, wait, queue I of I who do we have can a kit, do. I do have some Kiss records. Well, I, there we go. I found in the bargain bins. Well, lucky I mean, for most you of listeners, them, you just got maybe a sneak peek of what one yeah. of our episodes might be I mean, about. most of them were makeup Kiss, but I do have one makeup less Kiss from a bargain bin that I still have. <gasps> oh, my. Oh, my goodness. I might do that episode. Well, as you can see, we're clearly at the end of talking about the damned and We are totally not rambling (laughs) incoherently at all. So, listen to this. Check them out. What you don't know about them. I hope you learned something. Go over to um, bittersweetandtwistedrecords.com. Check out the Spotify playlist that goes with episode five. That way you can hear some of these damn tracks and some some of the Blondie Blondie stuff and some assorted things. Yeah, and keep coming back. We're going to have a couple episodes, special episodes coming up for the holiday, my favorite holiday season. Yeah, the holiday. People are like, Christmas? Christmas. No. Halloween is the only holiday that there is. We do have a a Halloween episode planned, and we'll probably do a bonus Mm -hmm. um, playlist. We'll probably do a bonus playlist of Halloween songs. That yes. won't be tied to a podcast episode. So stay um, connected with us and up on our Instagram. Follow us. Do all that stuff so you can yeah. be in the know. And then know what crazy, pointless things we're up to. Absolutely. And, um, yep, bettersweetandtwistedrecords.com. Yeah, and we'll catch you next time. Stay safe. Or not. Or not. You can be reckless. It's That's fine. That's true. Just come back if you survive. Yep. Ha, 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 ha.